Hey, Screen Rats. I might well be back from Edinburgh, but you wouldn't know it because I haven't left yet. Yep, that's right. I'm recording this before I even went, but you're listening to this after I've returned. So, who knows what happened? Hopefully I didn't get in any kind of infringement trouble. Fringe, hear that? Because I had some leaflets... They're called flyers, dumbass. ...which actually stated that my podcast was the official comedy podcast of edinburghfridge.com. That's right, fridge.com. So if you go to www.edinburghfridge.com, you'll find all the links to this podcast. Now, I handed out flyers with that on it in hope that I wouldn't actually be doing anything illegal let's see how that goes i'm sure it's fine because i fucking own the thing so it is technically the official podcast of that website because that website is mine now today on television times we welcome chris forbes excellent stand-up comedian and actor you'll know chris from scott squad which has been on our screens for nearly a decade Uh, he was also in still game he did a show called the farm which was quite popular and he's been in loads of other stuff too like uh, jonathan creek which we uh, discuss and talk about on here he's also got a new show called court jester which will just have ended its uh, edinburgh run by the time this episode comes out but look out on chris's website because he's sure to be out on tour with that show shortly Luckily, I was able to record this at the Motel One, which is the hotel next to the stand in Newcastle. They sometimes let me use the foyer for such things. And again, uh, the lovely Rachel, shout out to Rachel, she made it happen yet again. So I'm very, very grateful to them. Now, if it's all the same to you, I would rather just get straight into this episode because I've been recording episodes back to back in preparation for my trip to Edinburgh. So I would like to just get into the chat. So here I am chatting with... Chris Forbes. Personally, I always hope for the best. Roll up, roll up. Welcome to Television Times, a weekly podcast with your host, me, Steve Otis Gunn. We'll be discussing television in all its glorious forms. From my childhood, your childhood, the last 10 years, even what's on right now. So join me as I talk to people you do know and people you don't about what scared them, what inspired them, and what made them laugh and cry. Here, Television Times. Look at this, man. What a sound. I like it. It makes it feel like we're doing something really... (laughs) Exactly. Well, thanks for doing this. Not at all. I massively appreciate it. Just watched your show, obviously. You must be um, relieved that that's over. Very relieved. (laughs) It was a mess. No, no. It's helpful. Yeah, very helpful. That was great. It was fantastic. I'm not a sporty guy. I'm not into sports stuff, but my wife um, is Canadian, but moved to America when she was about 14. So all I hear is is that literally all that grouping of jocks and things in the school and how she hated it. She went there as a kind of Dr. Martins wearing Nirvana t-shirt, wearing Brilliant. Canadian with plaid and, you know, Brilliant. straight into what you went into, which is <laughs> yeah. incredible, really. Yeah, an explosion of sight and sound and characters and people that seem to know who they are already yeah. at that age. And, and you got oh. all the names down, all your Chantels and you. Oh, honestly. Every single you think you're making it up. It's mad. No, I know. You uh, listed some names left to right. Did you say Steve? Someone? Did you say his name was uh, Steve Hull? Steve Hull. Well, oh, there was a Steve Gunn and a Steve Hull. Oh, Steve actually. Gunn. So well, Steve Otis that's Gunn. bizarre. That is yeah. weird. That's weird that that would happen. Um, <laughs> Steve Gunn in that particular photo from the homecoming one was yeah. actually from uh, Alabama. Oh yeah. yeah. So quite a different guy, but you know, yeah. good name. <laughs> Yeah.
you're here tonight and then off yes. to Fringe on Wednesday. Yeah, so I take on Tuesday. Yeah, Wednesday's the first kind of preview. I yeah. like to think that it starts Friday. And that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wednesday, yeah. Thursday still. Can I really turn whatever that just was into a show? Because it's called... Your title, I'll let you say oh, your own title. Yeah, Court Jester. Yes, yeah. Forbes Court Jester. So the work in progress that you're doing now is to make that into the show for Edinburgh or is it also kind of work in progress in Edinburgh for a tour? Or? Yeah, do you know, I I still like to think of the Fringe as a kind of playground of people playing around and trying out stuff. It's obviously become much more industry-heavy and serious and people bringing very polished shows, but I think it will still be a work in progress, but it's very much billed as a, as yeah. a titled show and if it's still a bit rough and ready, I think that's part of the fun. Yeah, it is. It's really, really yeah. good what, what just happened there. We don't want to talk about it. But um, with the other guy that had actually experienced what you had a little bit, I mean, <sighs> they would think you placed him if you I did know. that in uh, most venues. It's so that unbelievable. That. And the people with the washing the mouth out. Incident. I've heard about that, the washing of the mouth out. Oh, I'm pretty sure my nan and granddad used to do it to my mum. Yeah. Because she... I don't think it was done to me, but I know it was definitely threatened. I, I'd always heard it threatened and certainly knew as a thing, but not on a 16-year-old boy for saying the word socks. No. It just it just blew my mind. Well, with these convos, we never know where it's going, and I don't know why, but for that, is, I'll, I'll tell you something that happened to me. When I was 12, I was travelling around Europe with my parents, yeah. and um, we were on the run in Europe, and I've never told anyone this. I don't know if it's in the book. I don't think it's even in the book. Um, at one point, my mum said that I didn't shower properly, you know, when your mum's like, you know, oh, come on, you know, you can yeah. basically do that. Mimics a dot of water on each cheek, forehead and chin. Water <laughs> on my cheeks, water, you know, my son does it now. I know all the fucking tricks, mate, yeah, you can't yeah. fool me. And she fucking stripped me down in a campsite and hosed me down <laughs> in front of the other campers. I'm not kidding, I was 12. Oh, man. It oh, was, that's a scaring incident, isn't it? I just remember, in my mind, it probably wasn't, but in my mind there was a complete audience. of like but 12 you know adults what? just staring. If anything, though, it sounds very European. We went to Greece as well, and I had a little friend I was hanging out with, and at some point the mother just took off her... Her top yeah. and her tits were just right in front of me, and she was just chatting as normal. She's like, "Would you like a candy or whatever?" She was saying, "I was like, not oh, candy, it's American, <laughs> you know." Would you? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "No, I'm, I used to, <laughs> I used to go around and ask people if they had spare coins for all their countries oh, yeah, to yeah. sort of um, say that I collected coins, and I just take them to the bureau to change." <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good idea. It was a scam. <laughs> anyway, so um, it's nice to meet you again. I have met you, but I, I think it was just brief and it was probably just me coming in to say, hi, is the lighting all right? Oh, and I, and I was probably just blinded by anxiety and uh, fear of ticket sales. So, <laughs> What time do you show on this time, Monkey Baron? This one's at 4.15. Oh. So it's a good time in that nowadays, rather than just thinking of what kind of time is a good time, it's what is a good time that allows me to also drop my daughter off at nursery and be at home for not too late and maybe catch yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's quite a good time for that, but hopefully a good time for audiences. So you end up, well. you eventually you work your way to a sort of Stuart Lee, one o'clock yeah, lunchtime yeah. situation. That would be nice, yeah. <laughs> home for got, five, day for seven. <laughs> what I was going to say about your show, what I really loved about it is I don't really know much about sport or basketball, but... 
just the fact that it's a true story and you can tell it comes from truth. Yeah, yeah. It just, it just feels so real, especially the sort of 90s aspect of it, which obviously yeah. is very, very cool right now and lots of TV shows and things about it. So yeah, I just yeah. watched the Beanie Babies movie last night oh, with my wow. wife. I know it sounds stupid, but it's, <laughs> yeah. it kind of has all that cultural references that yeah, you talk about. Yeah. It's that sort of late 90s. It's the Clinton, yeah. it's, the, it's, it's all that stuff, you know, and it's... Uh, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm leaning heavily on the fact that I hope people find it at least interesting and relatable, if not particularly funny at times, because it is just quite trippy to look back at that time. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because I turned 40 this year or because I've got a daughter now, but it's a story I've always wanted to talk about and... You know, I guess, like, in the film Stand By Me, it's like, do we ever really have friends like these when mm. you're kind of teenager? And I've always told people the story about going to America, but never on stage, and people have always said, you should talk about that. Like, that's yeah. pretty unusual. It's, like, it's quite it's unique. It's very weird. Let's so, go and stay with the family and... Yeah. Yeah. And I think Because I was wondering that the whole time, like, he's going, he's done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's, and I think it's weirder than I realised until I started doing it. Yeah. And it's really nice to then meet people like tonight where there was a couple of people that had done a similar thing to have the vindication of going, I did that and it was just the same and yeah, that happens and yeah, um, it's mad to think that it's... Even now I think that is mad that that's true because you just couldn't believe it. It is very American, isn't it? Because like my wife, she actually came to the UK when she was 16. She was, right. a, she was in a... I guess you call it a female football team, no girls. And um, she was so good that they actually came over here and played. Oh, wow. And she was sent over with a squad <laughs> over here for like, I don't know, a couple of weeks. Yeah. It was 16. <laughs> Weirdly, I took her to Edinburgh um, the first time. We were walking around Princess Street. And you know, I don't know the names of the monuments. Apologies, Scotland. On Princess Street... There's a very tall, dark, sort of spiry building. You I know, know the, the one you mean. I don't know what it's called. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know it's opposite M and S. That's all I can tell Oh, the M and S statue. Yeah. Scott Monument is a Victorian Gothic structure built to celebrate the life of Walter Scott. <laughs> she was walking past that, and she went, and she was like, you know, this is the first time I've been to Scotland. Go, oh, hey, you should come to Scotland. It's great. You can go, go see Edinburgh. It's brilliant. She's walking along. She goes, I've been here. <laughs> Wow. But because she was 16, she was American, she had no idea of geography. Yeah. She thought she was in fucking Wales or something, because they're telling anything, <laughs> do you know what I mean? They just get off the bus and do some football, get back on and back to Arizona. Yeah. yeah. No, it's very odd. I think um, I always laughed, actually. I don't think I even mentioned it tonight, because it was it turning into a stream of consciousness at times of memories of being at school over there. But I always laughed at the fact that one of the classes was US history at school. It was called mm. US history. So it wasn't history. Yeah. It was called US history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just didn't, they didn't care about the rest of the world's well, history. They don't, do they? And for the first four weeks of school, while I was taking US history over there, we watched Dances with Wolves. That was uh-huh. like the level of education. And it's like, well, why do we, how, how can we blame them for not really yeah. knowing that much about the rest of the world and about history if their only cultural reference point is Kevin Costner? <laughs> I never saw anyone that did look like me there either. Yeah, I can tell you. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in London a bit as well, so I did. I had Asian friends. But when I was in Ireland, like I go to Ireland now, and there's like black Irish people. Yeah, blows my mind. Not in any kind of weird way. Just no, it's, they didn't have this. Wasn't when I was the norm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Just, similar. Yeah, the little small rural village I was from. It just was not very diverse or multicultural. Mm-hmm. So that aspect alone was just wow. And America, as everyone knows, is a melting pot. So even being at school, people, you know, Mexicans and Puerto Ricans and people from all over different states in America that had moved there and Canadians and, as I say, there was yeah. Russians, certain people that had moved over from Europe. So, yeah. And the food, you must have been 
you know, exposed to completely different foods. The food was great. I actually had terrible acne. I don't think I'll bother talking about that in the show. I had terrible yeah. acne. I think it was the change in diet and food, but uh. the fast food stuff was incredible. I, when I went over there, so I went over in 1999, it was very much over here. It was really just McDonald's and Burger King. Yeah, was yeah, yeah. That vein. Obviously they had Jack in the Box everything. and all these things we never heard of. Jack in the Box and Wendy's Oreo, and Arby's and Curly Taco Fries, Bell. Oreo shakes. Oh, Baskin Robbins and Pancake and Waffle House. And, so, yeah, a yeah. lot of fast. I loved it. I loved it. What a time to be there yeah. as a kid <laughs> with all of that. Yeah, I first went to the States in, I think it was 96, and I was definitely there in 99. And um, I just remember being in Hawaii, of all places, being in Hawaii in 99. And just walking around Honolulu looking for a Jack in the Box. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm not there for any kind of culture yeah. or any kind of, hey, I wonder what the Hawaiians eat. No. This is the big thing. I want those curly fries. They're so good. <laughs> They're so good. Please just stop because you're making me hungry. Now it's time to talk about something from TV. So, Chris, this is a podcast about television, and you are a man that is on television. Um, you mentioned, that was funny because you said a line in your show, which was something like, basketball-wise, you were in the Scotland squad. Yeah. Which I immediately, did you do it on purpose? No, All but right. I must remember that. Because I was picking it up and I was going, that's funny, he was in the Scotland squad and now he's in Scott squad. No way. That's really I, cool. I must use that. I'll take I it, take remember. it. Do you want me to delete it? Thank we'll cut you. that. No. <laughs> so that's run for, what is it? Is it eight seasons? Eight seasons. Eight now. seasons, so that was mad. That was What's the last the season. Oh, it is Certainly the last season. Now. Right. Um, uh, and those eight seasons ran over kind of ten years, so a decade really mm. of your life, which... Seems to have flown by, but it was a great, great ten years. Yeah, I've, I haven't seen all of it. You're very good in it, and I love Jack Doherty. I followed Jack Jack's oh, whole career. I mean, for me, um, I'm a bit older than you, but I remember when Absolutely came oh, out. Kind of the Absolutely scary and shows. I was just like, I, I it was event TV for me. Yeah. I would get home for that, and I even, and then I followed Mr. Don and Mr. George. I was even in the audience for some of the oh, filmings man. of that. I saw his chat show filming in yeah. London. Whitehall in the nineties. I, I mean, I followed him. Oh, he's great. You know, when I got to meet him in twenty, he was doing some. He was doing that. Well, it was an inspector show, wasn't it? He was just doing the one man show. Right, yeah, he did like a chief kind of address. Yeah, yeah the chief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got to meet him, and it was like for me, it was like meeting fucking De Niro. Or something. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to see his show about Bowie. Oh, nice. And Bowie as a guest, yeah, gilded. Yeah. It looks really good. Yeah, I've actually yeah. seen the photo of him meeting Bowie, and it blows my mind. Yeah. You know, and you know, people don't. Well, not certainly a lot of people will remember, but not a lot of people remember that he had hosted the, the Channel 5 yeah. chat show that Graham Norton had essentially taken over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the amount of guests he met, and again, at that time frame, it was just, it's all your heroes thinking, he met them, yeah. interviewed them, and he's got these photos he can show you, and it's, it blows your mind. I was always, like, amazed that you could get, I mean, I'm sure it's the same now, but it was so easy in the 90s to get free tickets for <laughs> filmings. Yeah. So if you like something, you just... There was, I don't, there was no internet really, so I don't know how we did it, but I remember ah. like just maybe phoning a number or something. Yeah, and then must. these tickets would just be there and you just go and fucking sit in the audience yeah. and watch. What, I went to Graham Norton three times oh, when man. it was called So Graham That's Norton. That's right. Yeah. yeah, so it was just like, I used to give uh, Armstrong and Miller, Sean Hughes' show, Sean's yeah. show, all of it. I was a audience hall for that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so like I'd say Scott Squad, what I would say about it is it's probably one of the only mockumentary sort of shows left, right? Like that. Yeah, I mean, certainly that was the format style for television. Once The Office, you know, took over the world, mm. it was that was it. And um, certainly in Scotland, it was the probably one of the first ones up there in terms of a Scottish show to follow that format, so that was great. But they are dying away, and um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but 
because there have been so many of them, it's probably mm. quite nice. And they'll come back again in the same way that straight sketch shows were everywhere in the 90s and the early yeah, 2000s. Yeah, yeah. They've completely died down. Yeah, where are sketch shows? But I think they might be slowly coming back as well. Yeah, I was talking to Ben Crompton about that because he was in that thing called Mousestrike Woman and there was oh, loads yeah. around that time. And yeah, I mean, it's all in cycles, isn't it? Yeah. I've heard the offices apparently having a reboot, the American office. Right. It's a terrible idea. Terrible. It's too soon. It's yeah. too soon. <laughs> Give it 20 years. You've got to have that gap that they had between those like terrible 70s, like sitcoms yeah. and then Mrs. Brown's voice. Yeah. <laughs> you need that gap or Miranda or whatever. So there's a gap. So it's like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Yeah. We have to be old. So we're nostalgic for it. And yeah, we want, we want, want it back. It back. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I've turned it to my grandfather. <laughs> I'm just going to ask you some more awkward questions. <laughs> and I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable, but just answer as honest as you can. You're, I mean, you've already mentioned uh, a couple of TV shows in there, which uh, I picked up on. I just bought my son some uh, Simpsons pyjamas just now. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Bart right? Simpson, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's into that. He sneaks those. He sneaks those in. <laughs> my wife has told him, don't watch The Simpsons. And whenever, he's, whenever she's out and I catch him, he knows I'll let him off. Because we started watching Red Dwarf together. Nice. Nine. I have to. I need, yeah. I need a mate. <laughs> yes. why, why have kids if you can't, like, share yeah. that stuff? And I'm worried that, like, he'll think it's shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you worry about that? Like, something you introduce your kids to, music or film? Or Definitely. Well, even just, just with... Yeah, I love basketball, which mm. is still not a hugely popular sport. And I'd love my daughter to really get into it as well. Yeah. But, you know, if she, if she doesn't, I'll be heartbroken. It's really... I'm, I get really proud when he, when he says something like... Um, we were out once, and I love David Bowie, it's been mentioned already, but I'm a big Bowie fan, and I uh, play a bit of it in the house. And at some point, we were out, and Madness as well. I was a big Madness oh, yeah. fan as a kid. And my daughter, we were in Morrison's, and our house was playing. That's weird, for a start. That's weird. And she went, Dada, our house. No way. And then my son did some quiz at school, and nobody knew who Bowie was apart from him. And I was like, oh, fucking Proud gold, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's some reason to have them. That was a joke. Of course, I love all of my children, regardless of their likes and dislikes. Now, let's ask Chris a question. What was the first show that made him feel all warm inside? Do you know, I think it was probably Markham and Wise. Um, and just because whether I appreciated or understood exactly what it was they were doing, mm -hmm. they were the people that made my parents laugh. Yeah. And so whenever I saw them in telly and saw the way that they were reacting to them, I knew that they were doing something brilliant, mm. something incredible. And they've always stuck with me. I'm really influenced by some of those older ones because they very much liked what they liked and then didn't move with the times. They would continually watch Morgan Wise and the Two Ronnies was a big one for me. I became oh, yeah. a huge really? Two Ronnies fan. Read all of Ronnie Corbett's stuff um, and Ronnie Barker's uh, autobiographies. Yeah. I just was in incredibly inspired by... The kind of light entertainment, but you, you could be entertaining without necessarily, you know, it wasn't, they weren't necessarily outright comedians or actors, mm -hmm. but there was this kind of vague sense of you could be a kind of comedic performer and people really appreciated it. It yeah, made yeah, people yeah. feel good. Yeah. So certainly, even if I wasn't specifically watching in the show, being around that show, being on and seeing mm. how it affected people, that was definitely the first thing that gave me that feeling. Was it repeated? Because I, I remember I saw them. At the time, I was born in 69, so I saw some of those. I remember those, like, 1977, 78 ones. I think I saw yeah. them maybe live at Christmas. And then since then, I remember the Andre Previn thing and all yeah, of that. Yeah. I mean, I fucking... 
I think I went through a phase, though, because of alternative comedy, that I sort of dissed that comedy when I became right. sort of a teenager yeah, in the early yeah. 20s. And I was like, fuck all that shit. I'm watching, you know, Ben Elton or whatever. Yeah. And, and then I sort of, I, it was for me, it was a book as well. I read the story of Malcolm and Wise, some ah. kind of autobiography, and their whole, you know, coming up from vaudeville and how yeah. they were put together and how Ernie was the star and all that. <laughs> and it just sort of gave me this kind of feeling of nostalgia. And then I started trying to sort of seek it out. But again, I, where would I, how would I have sought it out? It must have just been, yeah. did they just repeat them at Christmas? They all must the have time, just done it. Yeah. yeah. And then they still do. But certainly throughout my childhood, they were always on. And they must have been repeats because that was always the thing that my parents would say. Certainly, especially mm. my mum would be like, they were the best. They were the best. Like, oh, you yeah. st still can't beat this. And, and that's been the same <laughs> my whole life. Like, yeah. harking back to that kind of just pure light entertainment style yeah. of comedy. God almighty, I've just realised this. I got it from him, haven't I? When I go to Greg's <laughs> with my kids and they want to get a vegan sausage roll or whatever, I use the bag and I do the, oh, you know, the, the catching click thing. thing. We do catching like, the coin. Yeah, old yeah. Like I love that. I love it. I do remember like always not being that into um, Ronnie Corbett's sort of monologue in the chair. Yeah, maybe because yeah. it's too young. That was the bit that was sort of like. Huh. I think that's why. Yeah, whether or not it was because of that, but I, I definitely was a Barker fan, and it was his books I loved, and I, I knew that he wrote a lot of stuff, and I was kind of amazed that he could create these just funny sketches. I think, mm. but certainly, even though I, I and I still love those kind of traditional. I think just because it feels very pure and wholesome comedy and maybe it's because it brought people together that normally wouldn't in terms of family settings. But certainly in the 90s, as you say, you almost kind of rebel against that a little bit. Mm. And so, you know, loved stuff when I was then more in my teenagers, like when Shooting Stars, you know, certainly came yeah, on, yeah. which was then very archaic and surreal and not yeah. obvious comedy. And that was exactly the type of stuff my mum hated. Yeah, you know, yeah, she'd yeah. be like, I hate that. What, what's yeah, this? Yeah. You know? I hated it at first. Do but, you know why I hated it? I remember fucking... I remember... Um, uh, what was it called originally, Reason Mortimer? Big Reeves, Big Night Out. You know why I hated that? Because it replaced Absolutely. I came oh. home one day, Absolutely wasn't on, and that shit was in its place. <laughs> and I remember hating it for fucking years because it was just like, I hate that now. So that's, yeah. that's nowhere near as good. I liked it eventually and I yeah. got into it, but I remember at the time, initially, it was just, it was like uh, when UB40 kept madness off number one. I was like, fuck them. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, absolute fucking, you know, keep that gripe going forever. But that Reeves and Mortimer series, the yeah. R&M with the song, the beginning like that was cool. trapped in my flat and I remember those songs for the rest of my life very different as well and just like how can you just be a bit mad but funny and yeah it's mental I mean I think he's he sort of stepped back from it in a way like um Ronnie Barker didn't he go off to do like antiques yeah, or something weird yeah, like that that's right. in, like <laughs> Suffolk am I getting that right I think so he, he definitely got into antiques yeah. and he's written about stuff like that as well uh -huh. And did you see like things like porridge then when you were a kid? Were you exposed to Again, that? Again, just uh, repeats. And in mm. fact, and I was very excited with this, um, one of the, the TV shows I was in, involved with in terms of writing was a, in Scotland, certainly in BBC iPlayer, was called The Farm. And yes. we were looking for a particular character to play uh, a role of the factor. And we tried to get an actor that had been in porridge. Oh, right. He had retired about 15 years ago. Yeah. But even just getting in touch with him to see if he wanted to do it, and he read the script and just said, you know, I, I don't think it's for me, but I really appreciate you seeking out. Because yeah. in my head, I was like, I can't believe we could get this guy that used to be in porridge as well. Tony Ozoba, he played McLaren. I think at the time as well, it's quite unique. Um, 
because he was a black character, mm. but he's a Scottish guy as well, which was even more, I guess, kind of at the time, uh, groundbreaking. Uh, and even then for us, casting a particular role like that, there's not a huge pool, as mm. we were saying about, mm, not a huge multicultural diverse. But it was incredible just to even hear from him and hear that, he, well, he'll read it, you know, but he'd retired so long yeah. ago. It was the fact that he'd been in Porridge as well for so long. I was really excited. I'm thinking now, like, just because of what you've said, because a lot of the time when people talk about old TV that comes up from the past has, like, a racist element or something really, like, problematic, like, you know, you're kind of rising dance and you yeah. uh, love thy neighbours and all that. But actually, like, Morecambe and Wise, I'd say... Uh, two Ronnies, maybe like some of the dressing up as women and the joking of that might not fly yeah. right now, but there's no hate there's, behind any of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's certainly for those two pairings, yeah. compared to a lot of the other acts and, and, and shows around at that time, they're the least likely for anyone to dig out an old sketch that would be mm. like, they should be cancelled for this. They, they yeah. really did keep it pretty. Yeah, awesome. You can't get cancelled for four candles. Yeah. <laughs> I can probably guess where the answer uh, for this is going to come from. Do you remember your first TV crush? I, I, I do. I feel like they were, they were very early on. Uh-huh. There was a couple competing, but I mean, I, I don't know if you're expecting Dawson's Creek because I, I was talking Dawson's about Dawson's Creek. Creek. <laughs> Maybe that's too you're too but old. But I was point. a bit older for, yeah. for Dawson's Creek. I would <laughs> say it was probably between Jet from Gladiators right. and the Funhouse Twins. Um, that were kind of around the same time. And certainly when I think back to my youth, this is great, I actually think about it. I haven't thought of this <laughs> name for ages, and it's such a fun name to say. I really love Topanga in Boy Meets World, uh, an American TV show as well. Mm. Which, I, I, In fact, you know what? If I was going way back to when I was younger and probably the first time I thought, I can tell she's pretty, but I don't even understand what that means, mm. yeah. would be the some unfortunate name now to say it out loud as a grown adult now, but the... I'm sure she was. The title of the character was the Child Princess right. in the Neverending Story. Right. Okay. We'll edit it correctly. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. So, the the princess girl in Neverending Story. Yeah. When you were a wee boy, it was like, who is this kind of angelic? Yeah, yeah. Character and creature, and um, bizarrely, last year or was it two years ago? But it's not been out yet. I got to have a tiny little part in a film that her and her now husband have written. Wow. That is a film that's a throwback to 80s fantasy adventure films. So, and at the time I remember saying, wow, she was probably one of my first ever crushes and now I'm doing like a wee film. I don't have a scene with her, but I got no, to no. meet her and her husband and it was very trippy. Never Ending Story, that is a weird fucking movie. I don't think, I've, I've tried to show that to my kids, but I think it's, uh, it's one of those ones that you think is okay. Yeah. Um, a bit like Labyrinth or something, but well, actually when you show it, they, they creeped yeah. out by all that 80s stuff. It's the very same genre, that type of thing, Labyrinth and uh, yeah. Never Ending Story, and that's what they're trying to recreate. I don't know what it'll be like, but... My only memory of that, I'm trying to picture how I can't, but I can see a lot of soft focus, a lot of Sybil Shepherd lighting going on in that film, with like <laughs> lots of people coming out of sort of ethereal lighting into kind yeah. of like... I don't really remember it very well. Did they make, they make a sequel, did they? Never Ending Story 2, yeah. There was, In yeah. fact, there was yeah. Never Ending Story 3 and 4, but Get then very town. different characters. <laughs> More like the sort of Home Alone 4 sort of situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> thing you saw on TV that made you scared shitless. Do you know what? 
it, it probably is this. We had, again, growing up in a small village, we had a little local VHS, you know, a video shop. Yeah. And it was called Video Vision. And it was one of those places where it felt like anyone could go in, you know, if you, even mm. if you were a bunch of young kids going in and you wanted to rent an 18 horror. Yeah, yeah. And a guy would just not bat an eye. Something from under the camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the film that it does now when I'm seeing it was, for whatever reason, we got two videotapes out. No need to get out your phone, for these videos were played at home. And at the cinema, no money was spent, for they watched these films on a TV set. Uh, one of them was called April Fool's Day. It was a horror film. Hmm. But the other one was Halloween 4. 4? Halloween 4. And, what, are we um, on? what are we on now? <laughs> yeah. And uh, the scene that has stuck with me my whole life is Michael Myers waking up in the back of an ambulance. And I hadn't seen them at the time, but evidently the last one had finished with him getting taken away in an ambulance, everyone thinking he's dead. But right at the start of the film, he obviously comes back to life, he starts killing people, but he put his thumb right through the eye of one of the paramedics into the skull and crushed Jesus his head. Christ. And because it was probably the first time that we were like, look, well, let's get a couple of 18 horrors out, and, th and that happened in the first couple of minutes, it has never left me. It has scarred really? me for life. Michael Myers is definitely the kind of the, the boogeyman for me from having yeah. watched those films when I was too young. That's horrible. My son keeps asking me like who these people are, like because they talk about it. I don't, I don't think he's seen it, but you know, you see. Actually, he, he might have done because you know, um, even though like you can set up your box and your TV to like not show them without a code, sometimes you just open it up and there's an advert. Yeah, for it. that's right. I don't really, like yeah, that. Yeah, or on the yeah. buses, there was that movie Smile. Oh which God, I they were creepy posters creepy for kids. I'm a fucking bus going yeah. past my house. My <laughs> yeah. kids looking at yeah, bus. The school bus. I mean, <laughs> that was a bit much. I just find that all. It's like if you got dirty mags at the top, then why have we got like <laughs> yeah. a fucking horror, a Blumhouse horror going past my house every seven minutes? Yeah. Weirdly. I don't think I've ever said this before, but you've reminded me with that eye-pushing thing. I don't know why it reminded me, but do you remember in Poltergeist? Is it Poltergeist? Where the guy starts tearing his own oh face God, off at the yeah, sink yeah, and the yeah, bits yeah. of flesh go in oh, and the blood man. and all that? Yeah. That's my one of those. Oh, Fucking hell, man. that's... I, I can feel Tear it. Tear in his face. You can actually feel it. Tell you what, speaking of full sex, <laughs> in terms of a TV performance though, that rang true, and it's just I remember that and people in the papers at the time talking about how it was very graphic, hmm. but I vividly remember the Lakes uh, TV series with John Sim, a very young John Sim. John Sim. And it, it blew me away. It was one of the first TV shows that seemed like it was just very real, very gritty, that dealt with very graphic and delicate situations in a very real way where it didn't feel like you were watching actors but felt like oh that could be your mate you know he, yeah, yeah. he just seemed very very what real the, what was the premise of the likes so essentially it was set in the lake district uh, hence the name and uh, someone moving there his character into a small community and it was really more an insight into that kind of thing of everyone knowing each other's business, but mm. people having affairs and babies and they were underage and, you know, he's come out of prison and it was all manner of coming of age. You know, he was he was young in it, I think 16, 17, and um, kind of figuring out who he is, what he's becoming right. in this small little community. Um, but, yeah, it was just it was just really graphic, but in a weird way 
life-affirming to oh, watch This is it. a 90s TV show, yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen it. I would I, tell I, people to seek it out. In oh. fact, I wanted to kind of reconnect with it not too long ago, and it turned out one of my mates, Callum, if you're listening to this, Callum, thank you, um, he still had the Lakes DVD box set, which you can't get anymore. Right. So we were able to rewatch it. Is it a BBC or was it ITV? It's a BBC oh. thing, yeah. Because you were in a show that came back, Jonathan Creek, another show from yeah. the 90s that I've never seen. Sorry about that. Um, but everyone tells me you must watch it. And for some reason, I didn't really... Again, I don't know, maybe the age I was, I wasn't... Well, I think it was a Sunday night thing. Yeah. Maybe I sort of wrote it off as a kind of grandma Sunday night yeah, midsummer yeah. murders thing. I never really got into it. But I've been told by so many people it's like the best show. Yeah, it's, it's very... It's a nice, easy show. It's very unoffensive. It's got really clever lines and, you know, it's, it's a comforting watch. I don't know if that's mm. when it was on, but I can very much imagine it would have been a Sunday night evening show. Um, I actually hadn't really watched it, but I knew my mum had loved it. Mm. And... Bizarrely, when I first met my now wife, one of the shows we started watching when we were all hanging out was Jonathan Creek on Netflix because they ended up putting it on there. Right. And it was because we were like, did you ever watch that? Like, no, did you? No. Mm. Why don't we watch that? Like, just as something. And we loved it. It holds up. Yeah, and, mm. and it was probably about two seasons in when I got the addition to be on it. And we were like, no way. Just as well we watched it. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. The nicest thing about being on that, I mean, it was lovely to even do that job and experiencing a kind of slightly bigger production and Warwick Davis was in the episode I was in, so it's during taxis with him and to and from. But Alan Davies, who I didn't know, obviously, at the time, other than respected him as a stand-up as yeah, well, yeah. he couldn't have been nicer. And he didn't say it on the day, but Polly on the, the, on the show said, I bet he'll come and see your show, because we were filming a month before August. Hmm. And I was like, oh, I thought she was just being nice. Yeah. And in the first week of August... Just before the show started, he slipped into the show and watched it. Bought me a pint afterwards, uh, talked about the fringe when he used to do it and about yeah. what I'd just done. So for for that reason alone, it was worth doing. It was great. That's amazing. Yeah, I've only heard nice things and I've obviously gained uh, quite an insight into his life um, through that podcast he did. Seven Pillars with Alan Davies. Didn't do a lot of them. Um, he talked about his childhood and stuff like that. It's just awful and a lot of uh, traumatic stuff from sort of Irish... Um, parents that I can sort of chime with so I think think he's just a a really nice guy it's amazing that he's uh, had that sort of career and and that show he did that was cancelled around 2010 oh oh my god that's so good that was really good fucking brilliant how is that not back bring it back come on do a party down and bring it back that's a great show (laughs) and everyone was in it yeah really good cast amazing cast Um, I'm a bit mindful of time for you so I'll uh, ask you one more question and and then we'll go for it okay the embarrassing question What's the worst programme you like watching? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, the worst programme. I mean, it, I, I think now it seems bad, but I, I, I still watch Dawson's Creek if it comes on, hmm. and I, I still really like it. I don't know whether or not that's the worst. Thing. I mean, I think it's a really good show. And, uh, I used it, to watch it. Of its time, it was yeah. great. But the fact that I still watch it, if it's on, maybe that's, maybe that's a bit of a red flag. Did you always know how old they were? Because I remember watching it. It was on Sunday mornings, as far as I remember, on like that T4 type thing or whatever it was in yeah. the late 90s. And I remember watching it and thinking, oh, this is quite good, this is quite good. And then at some point, about two years in... Dawson had his 16th birthday and I was like he's fucking 16 the guy looks 25 yeah, the way like, they spoke like they were what? like I had no idea they were supposed to be that young intellectuals yeah yeah um, but no I, I can't even say that because I can't say that's the best worst show that I, I, I 
that I enjoy because I don't think that's a bad no, show. I think, I think it's considered really okay of, of its time. So, is there any kind of crappy reality things you're into? <sighs> you watch, but you hate yourself for watching? Or? Do you know, I, what I will say is I, I actually am not quite good because it doesn't matter what you watch, but I'm quite good at not watching a lot of the trashy type TV. Mm. But my wife does love it. And I always tell her, I'll, I'm guilty of being like, how can you watch that? She'll be yeah, watching yeah, yeah. like the... The, the one about the boat and there's the crew in a boat. Oh, um, below deck. Below Never deck. seen it. Won't watch it. Yep. And she'll watch um, uh, Married at First Sight and, oh, yeah. and stuff guilty. like that. Guilty of that but one. the Married at First Sight one, if I'm in the room, she says I always slag her off for watching stuff like that. But I am terrible of being like secretly kind of watching out of the corner of my eye. And then she'll be like, you always end up being like, so what, what's he done to her? Or... Yeah, well, yeah. What's, what's her problem? She says, I always end up just having to explain the show even though you're saying you're not watching yeah, it and yeah. I know you really want to watch it, so... like to plug anything you're in that's coming up the, the Duncan and Judy Murray show while sold out at the Fringe we're also doing shows in Aberdeen and Perth later in the year um, and speaking of later in the year I'm very excited um, by the fact that I've just recently shot a part in a TV programme called Dog Squad Dog Squad on CBBC <laughs> it's a kids TV show there we go. Uh, not a Scott Squad spin-off and I'm so excited that my daughter will get to watch this because I have watched it with her before. I yeah. got to do a little bit in it. Um, and it's a show that kind of introduces young children to a kind of world of disabilities and, and um, other afflictions, but through the, the guise of different therapy dogs. Hmm. So there's a guide dog and a mountain rescue dog. And, cool. You know, and so I got to film a scene with the wonderful Kika, who is a C9 dog, um, and her owner, Dr. Amit. And it was just joyful. When people say never work with children and animals, yeah. I can see that in terms of how it could be tricky, but I would do that every day of my life if I could get into wow. work with dogs. So look out for that. That's great. On CBeebies, you said, yeah, later yeah. in the year. You'll be on Bluey next. <laughs> oh, the dream. <laughs> Trying to get true. my daughter to watch that, and she wouldn't. I love it. It's very good. She likes Bing, and I hate him. I hate him. Bing? Oh, Bing's a twat. Yeah, oh, Bing's he's a twat. such a moaning Peppa bastard. Pig as well. My, my, I've got five-year-old twins, and the boy is... Uh, I watch Peppa Pig. Oh, oh Peppa Pig, do you have to? Yeah. It's like nappies. I've got rid of prams. Yeah. Nappies are on the way out. Get I need Peppa Pig to fuck off. I can't. I think I had a vasectomy just because I can't watch Peppa oh, Pig anymore. Bing's the same for me. I just I can't stand him. He's so annoying. He's got a wee friend called Pando and he takes his shorts off all the time. It's like oh, it's weird anyone that... that's seen it will know it's horrendous for Bing being an arsehole and Pando taking his shorts off. Wow. Sounds like Pingu. I like Pingu, you know. I once had a job. Uh, this is taking a weird turn at the end. I went to drama school to do technical stuff, um, stage management originally. Yeah. And when I came out, I became the, immediately, immediately became the technical manager of the Fashion Cafe, which was like getting fucking keys to the Titanic the day before it went down. <laughs> and it was like, it was, everything was falling apart. The auditors were in everything. We were doing all these shows. And at some point, I'm not sure how it happened, but we ended up, somebody put porn, the audio of porn, 
in the restaurant <laughs> with Pingu on the screen. <laughs> it accidentally worked. You know, like no when you do that, when you yeah. sort of do those, um, what's his name? Uh, Hugh Dennis, oh, when he yeah, does his yeah, yeah. Prince Charles thing. It's sort of like that. Pingu's going, and they go, and it's, <laughs> I urge everyone, I'm gonna seek out some Pingu. Someone's done it on YouTube, I'm sure. Yeah, Porn yeah, and Pingu. Yeah. That, that really works quite well together. Anyway, yeah. that's, that's a very strange thing to say at the end. Moto One, thank you very much for letting us do this here. Yeah. Uh, and the stand for uh, almost letting me do it there. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Thanks for popping by on television times. Thanks for having me. That was Chris Forbes, recorded here in Newcastle, the city in the north of England, next to the stand in a hotel foyer. It was such easy talk. It was so easy to talk to him. He was such a good laugh and really, really lovely. One of the nice ones. So to today's outro track, it's a song called Cafes of the World. I recorded it in Ireland in 2008. It was written uh, shortly before that time. It's sort of about all those hours I used to waste hanging around in cafes and uh, pubs and just like with nothing to do, like no book on me for some reason and just snake on my Nokia and like this is pre-apps, you know, pretty much and social media had just begun. So I had nothing to do. I would have killed for like all the things that we complain about right now. As it was recorded in Kerry in Ireland, I thought it'd be fun to go and record the background noises of the cafe from the Trilly Grand Hotel, an establishment that I used to get chucked out of as a kid, being like, you know, run out of town in that place by the manager. Um, so it was a massive two fingers up when I managed to stay there in 2013 when I was researching my book. So that was fun. Um, but I do love that hotel and I'd love to stay there again. So no hard feelings, Trilly Grand. So here it is. Cafes of the world.
album after the fireworks which i recorded in ireland in 2008 soon to be reissued and remastered right you know what to do follow the show leave a review if you liked it don't leave a review if you didn't and come back next week and thanks for tuning in (laughs) 